to church, would you stand and sing with us today? that whenever two or three are gathered together, you are here, and you are here this morning. We bring you our burdens, we bring you our joys, we bring you our praise. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King, Love endures forever, for he is good, he is good above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. Mighty hand and outstretched arm. His love forever for the life that's been reborn His love endures forever sing praise 
Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you joined us today. Uh, we have all kinds of good news. I've never been happier to come off vacation and come back to work than this particular uh, uh, fall. I'm grateful for it. Grateful for the progress that we've made, for the plans that we have, uh, for the people that we have in place, for the leadership that's to come. Uh, we are looking into ordering two more uh, sets of racks and chairs. So we're going to have more chairs in here uh, in the near future. We're going to get even more than we need because uh, we know we're going to grow. And we also won't chase a bunch of chairs all over campus uh, whenever we have a big meal in here. I think that will be very helpful. Uh, Garner Brooks has been our intern for the summer. He's been a member here for a good while, goes to 11. Uh, his family has a pew on the um, second from the back. They're there about 49. 51 and a half times a year. Um, he's, his time with us as an intern is coming to a close because he's going back to college, but his time with us is not. He'll be here for another little while. So we've had him work with children. We've had him work with youth. We've had him preach. We've had him do administrative tasks. We've had him do uh, all sorts of things. And one of the last things he's going to do is be a liturgist in this service this week and a liturgist in the next service next week, in the 11 next week. Uh, to learn about um, uh, managing a service and make sure it goes well. And then the, one of the very last things he gets to do is go to administrative meetings. What is that? That is a closer. That's like a piece of cake at the end of a delicious meal. Um, no, we, we, it'll, be, it'll be good. So, Garner, um, uh, take it over. Hi. Good morning. We like to frame our announcements in the five practices of fruitful congregations. And first, we believe in radical hospitality. 
we have brand new cards for visitors and for anyone that has a prayer concern. And if you'll raise your hand, Joe will come by and he'll bring you one of those cards and you can write that down and put it in the offering plate when it comes by later. Just pass that. Um, I'm calling on our Children and Family Ministries Director, Aaron Knight, for some additional announcements. Good morning. I just wanted to first of all, under Radical Hospitality, remind you that our church's ice cream social is next Sunday night. It is at Paris Mountain State Park Shelter uh, S003. Um, if this is all in your bulletin, so if you want to hang on to that and make sure you get to the right place, that might be helpful. Um, if you'll just bring ice cream or another dessert, we'll share in that. Sharing sugar and fellowship, which is always good. Uh, the church will provide tea, lemonade, and water. And just be aware that there is an admission fee, just like any state park visit, so be prepared to pay that to get in. Um, feel free to come early, and um, the shelter is available in hours all day. So join us, and um, we'll kick off the festivities officially at 6. Uh, um, we also strive to practice passionate worship, and in that, I just wanted to make you all aware that next week will be the back-to-school blessing. That blessing is for children, youth, and teachers to put us all in a great frame of mind, a um, worshipful frame of mind as we prepare for a new year and all the changes that that will bring. And um, with that, we will also be doing a school drive up until next Sunday for Chandler Creek Elementary. So Chandler Creek is a Title I school, and this year Title I schools have lost a great deal of funding. Uh, I think most of us know where funding comes from. When you don't have enough supplies for all the children in the classroom, the teachers bear that burden, and I think we can help them so they don't have to do that. The most needed items are composition books, glue sticks, scissors, and pencils, and there's a basket in the hallway outside here where you can drop those. Um, I know it will be a great help to that school and the children there who may not have um, the resources to buy those for themselves. Thank you. Thank you. And if you're a visitor here today, there's a check-in station in the back, and there's coffee and donuts over here to the side in the back, and then the bathrooms are over here. And we also believe in intentional faith development, and I'll call on Joe for a few announcements. I've worked a great deal on the um, podcast website that I use each week, and it's with the intention of giving you a blog each week as a Sunday school teacher or a, uh, as an individual in your personal walk or uh, whatever you may be doing. Um, so a new blog will come out every Monday morning. There'll be a new one tomorrow. That one will be designed for Monday. There's a new podcast that comes out every Tuesday. That will come out on Tuesday. It's designed for Sunday. And so it's, um, it plays right on the front page. If you go to sundayscripturepodcast.com, it's very easy to listen. It's on Apple iTunes. You can uh, subscribe to it, download it, whatever you may do. Um, so I encourage you, uh, and especially if you're going to miss Sunday, um, pull it up, um, listen to it with your family, listen to it with, um, uh, on the road, whatever you're going to do. Um, the McQuaids have taught a great deal on Sunday nights, and I intended today to bring them up and say thank you to them. Um, Bobby hurt herself last night. Um, uh, dro she dropped something on her foot, which isn't any good. Uh, so I'm going to wait until she's here because she's fun to celebrate with. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to make sure she gets healthy, get her back, and we're going to say thank you to the McQuaids. Um, Sunday night programming starts up in a couple weeks. Make sure you pay attention to our um, bulletin uh, with all the things that are coming for children, youth, and adults. That is it for our announcements. Thank you for listening, and let us pray.
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Thank you, Lord, that you are our firm foundation. And thank you that in any doubts or struggles that we have in life, we can turn to you and take refuge and find rest in you. Thank you that you have forgiven us of our sins and help us to model your forgiveness by forgiving others. Help us to honor you, not just in this time together, but in every aspect of our lives. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. We're looking today at um, what might be a very familiar story to you, but I think with a slightly different angle. So I'd ask you to hear it anew uh, this time today. Matthew 14, starting with verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. So I looked up that word made, and I looked up different translations just clicking through different ones, and this is your first phrase. Made, constrained, forced, insisted. Those words were all used in that spot. Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. He constrained the disciples to get in the boat. He forced the disciples to get in the boat. He insisted the disciples get in the boat. Which one do you think is the King James Version? Constrained, that's right. Uh, I Googled that one uh, and thought, oh, I might constrain some people to do something on a, on a weeknight, a school night. Uh, how would you feel if your leader forced you to do something that you weren't quite sure what it was or what the point was. You don't have to think too hard about that, right? It's been done to you. You might have done it to other people. Sometimes you're forced to do it. Sometimes you don't have much time. Sometimes you uh, can't explain it. Sometimes it's just uh, what, something that has to happen. Made, constrained, forced, insisted. He said, y'all have got to get in this boat. There's two elements to that. One is... Jesus went away in silence for peace in last week's reading because he learned about John the Baptist and the fate of John the Baptist, what was going to happen to him. John the Baptist preceded him, set him up, set up his ministry, and also spoke to the king and queen and said, your relationship's not okay. The queen didn't like that. The queen forced her will and was going to have John the Baptist executed. That was going to take every bit of the heat that John the Baptist was taking and put it directly on Jesus' shoulders. It's going to take every bit of support and pushing through the fluff, setting Jesus up for success, and now that was going to be gone. It was a dear friend um, who was going to, uh, who leapt in, his womb, in Elizabeth's womb when we read about it in Matthew. is now going to be gone. He goes away, and as he goes away in silence and peace and pain for clarity, how many people show up and want something to eat? 5,000 plus it says 5,000 men. Now, you add a spouse and you add two children to that. And you're talking about people following Jesus desperate for something. That directly followed 
Jesus hearing that news and being so broken. They feed 5,000 plus. And then he gets the disciples, he puts them in a boat, and he says, I'll go off. And he goes up on a mountainside to pray, just as he did before the feeding of the 5,000. You have any practices like that? You have any times or points in your week where you push everything else away and seek clarity, seek peace, seek understanding, seek comfort? I'm guessing there's been times in your life when you did it well and times in your life when, no, I just keep grinding. That's what coffee's for. That's what chocolate cake is for. That's what television's for. That's what uh, alcohol is for. That's what drugs are for. These are things that all of us will push. Uh, when we cannot push aside and find peace, we find something to numb the thing that's causing that tremendous pain. It's as real as can be, and it's in every single human life. But he says, I want you all to get in the boat. And he goes up on a mountainside. And that's your next phrase. You know who else did this? About everybody in the Old Testament. They go up and they find clarity. They go up and they find understanding. They go up and they find hope. Moses did this to the Israelites as they were wandering through the desert and came back down with the Ten Commandments. So if you were pushed into a boat, pushed out the water, and your leader left to go up on the side of a mountain, and you saw some pretty dark clouds forming, why would you doubt? Because that's the question we're asking today. Why do we doubt? Well, any number of reasons. Because I wasn't the one that picked where we were going today. That's enough, isn't it? You ever have to get in somebody else's car and ride with them? You ever have to follow someone else's agenda? You ever have to follow someone else's plan for the day with family? You ever spend time with like 17 family members all at once for about 10 hours? That's when you are not in control of your environment. That's one reason to doubt. We're not sure where we're going. That's another reason to doubt. We're all exhausted from feeding all these people. Fatigue is another reason to doubt. And all those reasons were present as Moses went up on the side of the mountain as the Israelites were wandering in Egypt. And you know what they did with that doubt? After it had been a long enough time, they said, I don't know if he's coming back. I don't know if he cares. Let's take all our jewelry and let's melt it down and let's make something that will be right here that we can touch and see to worship a God that we think maybe will reach out to us more than our God is. And it's um, Baal, Baal, there's all sorts of different ways to say it, but it's spelled B-A-A-L. That's what that golden cap is. That's what we're worshiping, something tangible. So we doubt sometimes when we don't have something right in front of us telling us exactly what we want to do, and we wonder. Continuing on, verse 23. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. 
Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. So here's your next phrase. When a familiar place becomes frightening. Has that ever happened to you? A place you know very well, all of a sudden gives you sort of a feeling. The education building gives me that feeling every night when I'm walking around over here. It's from the 1930s. The hallways are narrow. The youth have a um, full-sized uh, uh, cardboard Jesus that they love to put right in the door so that when I walk by, I uh, see it. Um, I try to keep as many lights off as possible. Um, just to, I just need to get to my office and do work. And when I come back, I think, hmm. And me, being as big as I am, think about anyone. There's no reason for me to be that frightened. Think about someone else. A space that you know, your home, all of a sudden you get a sense and you go, hmm. We've left a sliding glass door open, and we were gone for four days. And there's a basement downstairs. That gives you an icky sort of feeling. But uh, these men are on this water that they know very well. And they're fishermen, so they've been in that water. Now, they're probably smart enough. They don't have a um, radar app on their phone to tell them when the storm's coming, but they probably don't need one. They can sense when a storm's coming. So they've been on the water when a storm was here. They've been on this water when a storm was here. But I don't know if they've seen one like this, and they certainly haven't seen Jesus coming towards them. And all of a sudden, a space that you feel great comfort is causing you great fear. Why does that cause us to doubt? So we've gone to Edisto since I was in the 10th grade and was a friend of Katie's. Then we got engaged at Edisto. Then we took a child to Edisto. Now we've taken another child to Edisto. We've walked out the same path to the same water for, I think, 26 years I have. And Katie has, (laughs) this particular week, 40 years. She's walked out there 40 years. I've gone in that water a hundred times and been the one carrying them over the waves, been the one uh, drawing them back in, been the one doing whatever, carrying all the stuff out. This time, the most vicious jellyfish I've ever experienced went to work on my leg and got me. And, um, you know, in the moment, there's the sting. And then Katie did some stuff, it felt better, but like four days later, all of a sudden, it was like fire. And Elaine Rush is one of our members. She's one of our retired clergy's uh, spouses and um, uh, uh, known around our nation for wound treatment. She came to our house. She said, she looked at it, she took one look at it, family's there, and she's like, you may be the toughest person I've ever met. Didn't she say that exactly? She's like, how are you even, how are you even standing? How are you, you're amazing, your toughness. No, she didn't say that. She gave me uh, all sorts of medicine. Um, and when I go out that walkway in one year, I can tell you that I'll be thinking about that jellyfish who owned me. Familiar place that um, all of a sudden has something that causes us to doubt. And so these guys see Jesus 
walking on water towards them in the midst of a very frightening storm. And the um, common English version says, be encouraged. He says to them, be encouraged. I'm like, what? You want me to do what? He comes to them and they, he says, I want you to walk to me. There's three, three types of people minimum in that boat and those disciples. The ones who are just blanking out and don't even hear him. You ever so overwhelmed with what you're seeing that you don't even hear anything that's going on? They don't hear the invitation. Then there's the ones who hear the invitation and they go, mm-mm. Then there's the one we can always count on to get in the middle of it, to raise his hand, to spring into action, and that's Peter. Peter steps out and even has some success on this water that he's known his entire life. Imagine that. Until all of a sudden it dawns on him what's swirling around him. And when he gets a sense of what's swirling around him, and worse yet, what that could do to him, the potential of what's swirling around him, what it could do to him, all of a sudden the implications explode up through his brain, and he panics and sinks to the bottom. So you could be in the home you lived in 35 years. You could be in the office you worked in 25 years. You could be in the church you've, lit, you've um, faithfully worshipped in 65 years. And there's some event where you think, I don't know if I believe this anymore. I don't know if I can do this anymore. I don't know if I can hope in this anymore. And so why do we doubt? A destabilizing event in our own home. So we go on the road, we go somewhere else, and we get frightened. That's nothing. It's when it happens in a place that we're deeply familiar with that can cause us straight trouble. That's why we can doubt. Verse 31. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? That's a little harsh. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So let's admit something. When are we the most likely to say that last phrase in our life? Sunset uh, at the peak of a mountain. Uh, birth of a grandchild, restoration of our health in a frightening time, job opportunity that we were praying for. What are the, what are, how are all these correlated? When it works out for us. When things are going really well or we're overwhelmed by the beauty of something and we actually stop for a second like I asked you in the very beginning. That's when we're most likely to say, truly, you are the Son of God. When are we the least likely to say that? When we're experiencing true fear, true doubt, true pain, true loss. And we say, Lord, help me. I don't know if you care enough because you're not present with me. You're not grabbing my hand and you're not telling me where we're going. It's just honest. It's something that's part of the walk. So um, uh, here's your next phrase. What are we to do with failure? Um, Well, I'm about to turn 40. If you ask 25-year-old me, if you ask 30-year-old me, if you ask 35-year-old me, and 40-year-old me, how many different answers would you get? As many as I just said. I'd say the darkest version of that would be 30-year-old me. 
which is it's not an option. And I don't need help. The only way that we're going to succeed is if I own every syllable of this and am the driving force. And guess what we're not going to do ever? It's fail. Because as soon as we fail, people might wonder if we know what we're doing. If they wonder if we know what we're doing, then they won't come to church anymore. If they don't come to church anymore, then the attendance goes down. If the attendance goes down, then we have to send a report in that the numbers have gone down. If we have to send that in, then they're going to know that I don't know what I'm doing. Does 30-year-old me sound like fun? There's other new church starts surrounding us. They're getting more people. Of course, they're about Jesus too, but I don't like it because they have more resources than we do. Does that sound like fun? No. I wonder if 50-year-old me is much of an improvement over 40-year-old me as 40-year-old me is an improvement over 30-year-old me. Who's, who's got guesses? What do you think? <laughs> we'll see. We shall see. I'd love for y'all to see as close as I can get to that. I'd love to be here where y'all can see it and, uh, and judge it. What are we going to do with failure? Well, I think the first thing is embrace it. Because if we're doing this right, there's going to be a whole lot of it. Because this calling, this ministry, this following of Jesus, if we're doing it correctly will draw us away from the comfort of everything that we've ever known to ask us to do things that we've never done. I mean, how's that going to work out? Five times out of ten. We're going to fail. And what a great educator failure is if you don't fear it. So Peter, uh, again, I'll say, it's kind of harsh, you have little faith. You know, I could... took a couple steps on the water there. But Jesus, every once in a while, brings it when he's talking to the disciples. and says, you need to step it up. You've been paying attention. You've seen me heal people. You've seen me feed people. You're seeing me now walking on water. What's it going to take for you to believe? But we're human. We struggle. And man, that last phrase, truly you are the Son of God, because we just saw you do something crazy. But we're going to have a different scoreboard. We're going to have a different way of measuring. We're going to have a different mindset as Christians, as followers of Christ, saying that, um, no, we're not going to say, well, let's just sling it together because we lose a lot anyway. But we're going to put a great deal of time into our faith, into our discussions, into our relationship, into our meetings, into our worship, into our campus, And it's not going to work out 25, 35, 40% of the time because we've brought all these opinions together, all these emotions together, all these identities together, personalities together, and we're trying to align them with what Jesus would hope we would do. So what are we to do with failure? And the last phrase is the most important. Believe in the Son of God. That's another improvement 40-year-old me would be over 30-year-old me. Is, um, it's actually Jesus that we're celebrating. It's actually Jesus that we're trusting. It's actually Jesus who did all of these things that we're simply explaining. It's not me trying to live every one of those elements on his level. So the one who set the standards for wisdom, patience, compassion, sacrifice. We're going to read about it more. We're going to talk about it more. We're going to pray about it more. 
And how can we even begin to do that? It's with the very first question. As the school year comes, as everything, every program ramps up, as your grandchildren's lives ramp up, as your school life ramps up, as your, um, uh, some of y'all have a candle, and it's got two wicks on the top and two wicks on the bottom. You're taking care of parents, and you're taking care of children. Some of you are taking care of grandparents, and everybody is lighting it. Let's see how this goes. We've got to create space where we can actually find that message, find that hope, find that comfort that Jesus was doing at the very beginning. If Jesus had to do it, wonder if you have to do it. If Jesus needed that patience, if Jesus needed that time, wonder if you need that time. If every instance in which Jesus did something crazy like walking on water or feeding 5,000 people or going in the temple and saying what he had to say and doing what he had to do, went and found space, wonder if you have to do it. I can guarantee it. So what are we to do with our doubt? I think we're to embrace it. I think it's a reasonable thing to feel when we're asked to do the things we're asked to do when we're asked to believe the things we're asked to believe. And we're to say, you know what? I believe in you, but I'm struggling with this particular element, whatever it may be. Lord, be with me, empower me, encourage me, inspire me to live and breathe in your life. And when I fail, pick me up. Dust me off and send me back out there because I want to be an instrument of your grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You'll stand as you're able and join me in our modern affirmation. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all His works and whose will is directed to His children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. If you want to give in the offering plate as it comes around, you're welcome to do so. Or if you want to give online, there are instructions in the bulletin on how to do that. Shine. 
please stand and sing with us. I'm losing control I'm hopeless without you These fears and these worries are weighing me down I'm searching for solace I'm starting to drown I'm helpless without you Sunrise, this promise is true That life isn't less of me and more of you I'm nothing without you today. If you're a visitor, we're not going to ask you to raise your hand or tell us your name, but we hope that you felt welcome. We have cards in the back if you want to give us more information. We hope you'll do that. Um, I, at the end of this week, have to be gone for uh, uh, responsibility I have for the conference. So if you want to ask me anything, make sure you do it tomorrow or Tuesday. Go in peace. Embrace that doubt. Pray for help. 
find a space in which you can understand, comprehend, believe, and go forward. Go in peace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. week.